that's what we're talking about today. How many of you are grateful that we serve a holy God? Anybody today grateful? We serve a holy, holy God. Let me just add my welcome to that of uh, Pastor Teague a moment ago, to all of you that are here in the room with us this morning in worship. Thank you to everyone joining us online uh, there uh, in your space, wherever you're logging in. Thank you as well. Let me invite you to grab your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Luke chapter 14, 15 to 24. We're going to be there in Luke 14 as we're telling this story of Jesus throughout the summer. Uh, We've been looking at parables. Last week we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan. And today we're going to read a parable, a story that Jesus told at a banquet with some unusual seeding problems. And before I read it, I want to ask you a question. To consider before we read this passage together, together, is this good news or is this bad news? Is this good news or is this bad news? Luke 14, verses 15 to 24. Read along with me. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Verse 16, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another man said, I just got married, so I can't come. Brother, this is when you need to come more than ever. You just got married. I mean, you need, we all need help in marriage. Verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to the master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets, the alleys, and into the town to bring the poor, the lame, the crippled, and the blind Verse 22, sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Verse 23, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in. Compel them so that my house will be full. In verse 24, Jesus says, I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Is this good news or is this bad news? The answer is it depends. Depends who you are in this story. And every one of us, we're in one of three groups in this story this morning. We're either making excuses. And if that's you, this is bad news. If you're making excuses or you're making space and you're inviting others and you're responding, you're the broken, the hurting, the humble, those that are in need. And if that's you this morning, then this is the best news you've ever heard. Is this good news or is this bad news? It depends on our response. So my question for us all this morning to consider as we look at this parable, where are you in this story? Where am I in this story? A parable, it's a short story that teaches a big idea. Al Mohler said that parables are like hand grenades, not cute stories intended for kids. They're meant to explode and awaken our minds and our heart to deeper spiritual truths. That's what parables do. 
And that's what Jesus, when he shared this story at this point in the home of these Pharisees with all these religious muckety-mucks, the big cogs in the synagogue around this table, he shared this story so that they would wrestle with this question. Where are you today? Where am I today? Am I making excuses or am I making space and responding to the call? Let's look at the invitation list here in verses 16 and 17. And Jesus said, a certain man preparing a great banquet invited many guests. And in that day, it would have been very customary practice. Uh, Initially, months in advance, there would have been an invitation list that had been prepared. And they would have gotten many responses, RSVPs coming in, and then they would have prepared the servants of the house accordingly to who had said that they were coming and responded that, hey, we'll be there, we'll be there. And so as the day drew near, verse 17, and the master sends his servant out to those who've been invited, he says, come, for everything is now ready. Get dressed, put on your party clothes, the meal is ready, it's time to come on in. And let me just say, parenthetically, that right now in heaven, Right now, Jesus is preparing a banquet and a celebration that will be the greatest in the history of all creation. It'll be a party to end all parties, a feast, a resurrection banquet to celebrate the conquering of Satan, sin, death, hell, the end of all pain, all tears, all suffering. And all of us are invited to come. You can read more about it in Revelation 19. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. And what excites me almost more than anything is that Jesus will be there, Ron. Jesus will be there, and we'll see his face. And we'll look at his smile. And we'll look into his eyes. And we'll feel, we will all feel and sense a love like we have never been loved before. Jesus will be there. You'll see his face. You'll look into his eyes and you'll feel a love that you've never experienced in all of your life. And he'll not only be there, Zephaniah 3.17 says that he'll sing at this banquet. It's the marriage supper of the lamb. And so the servant says, come, it's ready, it's time to eat. But then look at all of the responses. Verse 18 through 20, we get nothing but excuses. Excuses are made. The religious leaders of that day that were dining at the table and that would have been on this initial list, they were obedient to the law. They knew the scriptures. They thought they were right with God. They had originally received those invitations, but the time of the banquet drew near and the servant came and told them to come and they come up with excuses after excuses. And before we get too down on them, let's just think about our lives currently. What are some of the excuses that we make? Busyness at a job. It's not a good season right now. I'm traveling. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying some hobbies, some newfound hobbies that are really interesting to me. I've got kids now. I've got to allocate so much more time to my kids, raising my kids. I get so distracted. I- I'm young and, and single. These are my selfish years. These are the times when I'm just investing in me, and I'm really focused on myself. Well, those excuses, along with the ones we see uh, here in this parable, uh, are not adequate. This is the greatest invitation that you and I have ever received, ever received. 
The first one uh, there, uh, the first excuse is uh, a man says that uh, he's got to go buy a field. I bought a field and I must go and see it. Okay, who buys real estate sight unseen, right? Nobody. It's ridiculous. This is a land negotiation. This would have taken time over an, a period of, of months. Most of the land in this time would have been owned uh, by families that would have been generationally passed down and negotiations would have happened over months, even years. It's a very lame excuse, number one. Everybody just say lame. So buying land and, and being distracted by the accumulation of stuff is a lame excuse. Excuse number two is uh, the oxen. I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Again, oxen, uh, it would have been akin to heavy machinery today. A man involved in the agriculture industry, maybe buying a combine or, or a backhoe or a, or, or a massive truck explicit to the work that he had to get done. Same thing, you would not buy that. You, wouldn't, you would have checked that out. You would have negotiated a price. There would have been conversations leading up to it. There's no way that this man would not have already laid his hands on these oxen and seen them and touched them and, 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 and known for certainty how beneficial they were gonna be uh, to him and his business. It's a lame excuse. All of us at times have excuses. But this invitation, you don't want to miss it. I mean, this is King Charles with, with Wolfgang Puck preparing the most finest and incredible uh, delicacies at the Ritz-Carlton. And, and these guys are coming up with lame excuse after another. And I already talked about excuse number three, uh, the marriage. This was the, the lamest of all. Uh, because, I mean, just because of a change in your season, uh, it doesn't mean uh, that you are not ready. It, it would be a big change to, to just become married, but you're newlyweds. Pastor uh, Turner said in the last service, look, you go to a party, you're newlyweds. Everybody's going to be excited for you. You might even get a few gifts given to you. I mean, uh, they're going to tell you how cute and how beautiful, how amazing you look, young and in love. You just got married. And again, just think about this. How many wives out there uh, don't like getting dressed up, going to a really nice banquet, meal, having the best food prepared for you, interacting and talking to a lot of people. Uh, nobody's married to that guy. Uh, that guy. No, 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 none of us are married to that girl, right? There's no guy out here that we don't know who that is. That's, that's not uh, the idea of a, of a woman's night out. She would rather... Uh, be at this banquet, I promise you, then sit at home, watch TV, and eat Cheetos and Doritos, all right? She wants to be at this banquet. But the religious people come up with excuse after excuse. The original list of those invited, they want to keep Jesus at a distance. It makes them uncomfortable. And Jesus has the same effect on so many of us today in church. Saying yes to Jesus, uh, so much of our relationship with God throughout the scriptures is, is related. It's, it's illustrated through a marriage relationship. It's not just enough to, to raise your hand one time at youth camp when you were a, a teenager and say, Jesus, yeah, I, I want this free gift. I want you to, to take uh, all of my sin and I want you to, to seal my heart and, and I want to be in heaven forever with you. 
and then to turn and, and go do your own thing. It's not just enough to make that commitment one time. It's like a marriage. Holly uh, Ann Hawkins, in August of, of 2000, I was married to her. We, we, we were in a, in a church with family and friends and loved ones, and we made, I made this commitment. And one day, we stood before our family and our loved ones, and I committed my life to her. I stood and said, this is my wife. This is the one I choose from now until the end of my days. But, but in a marriage, I don't just stop pursuing her after I got married to her on August 12th of 2000. A couple of weeks, we've got 23 years, and in the, in the 23 years that I've pledged my life to her, that we've raised our kids together, that we've loved and served this church, I don't stop pursuing her. I set my heart, I set my affections, and I pour everything that I have into that relationship. It's the same thing in your relationship with Jesus. If you're making excuses today, church family, you raised your hand, you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, but what excuse is keeping you from fully surrendering, from giving him everything that you have and all that you are today? That's what a relationship with God is like. It's like a marriage. And there are going to be good days. I mean, in 23 years, we've had some really good days. But I'm telling you, in those same 23 years, we've had some really hard days and some really difficult days where more times than not, I've blown it. And I've said things that I wasn't, uh, I, that I was embarrassed about or ashamed of or, or I've heard or I've responded uh, in my flesh in anger and selfishness. And there's no excuse. I own those, and I confess them, and I ask for forgiveness, and I move on. But it's, it's not about perfection. A marriage, there's no perfect marriage, just like there's no perfect relationship with God. It's about the direction and the aim and the intent and the priority of your life. Are you said yes to Jesus, now are you running after him with all that you have and all that you are, or are you making excuses? Because that's all that Jesus shows us here is excuse after excuse after excuse. But there's a second group. There's a second group we see in verses 21 through 23. And they respond to the master and they go. They're not making excuses, but they're making space. The servant came back and reported to his master uh, that these uh, excuses had come. And the, the master's angry. And so he says there in verse 21, go out quickly. Go out quickly quickly. And that's the challenge. That's the, the, the command for us today. These, uh, this servant was obedient to his master, and he responded accordingly, inviting others to the table. As the master says, go to the highways, the hedges, Woodall Rogers, I-75, I-20, I-30, the tollway. You go any and everywhere that the Lord takes you. And you take this invitation, so proud of our, our student ministry. You saw uh, some of the uh, clips on the screen a moment ago. Uh, Andy Peterson and Mike Beeson, our missions ministry and our student choir, they mobilized hundreds of students who, uh, and volunteers who went to the UK here just a week or two ago. They sang last week in our worship service. I brought some pictures along with you just to show you a little bit more about what that project entailed, but these are talented uh, kids and students that had given uh, a whole lot of their summer to practice and to learn dance routines and to learn songs, and they would do these pop songs, and then they would follow up at the end with these gospel songs, and they would entertain crowds 
all around that would come and watch these Americans that were in their town just to entertain them and to sing and to dance. And then throughout the week, we would go do service projects where uh, we would uh, clean up neighborhoods, where we would feed homeless, and where uh, we would put on clinics and parks and vacation Bible schools for kids to come. We could love and serve these communities. These are our students. This is your church. And, and it's because of you, Preston Wood, that, that projects like this, that mission trips like this are possible. So thank you for giving. Thank you for making uh, trips like this possible. But these students, uh, it was a joy. It wasn't a duty for them to be there. They were there of their own accord. They, they, they went like the master told them to go and to invest their life. They said yes because they understood what was at stake. They're not making excuses. They understand that their relationship with God is the priority of their life and they know that eternity hangs in the balance. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna invest my time, my energy, my resources, I'm gonna practice, I'm gonna get ready. So many of our volunteer uh, families, parents, took their vacation time, invested their resources to lead these students through that trip. Just a great example of those who respond to the master and say, go. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, that I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that should be our same heartbeat, Preston Wood, to seek and to save, to go to follow and to emulate our master. It's what we were created for. It's what he set us in this relationship for. Psalm 280 says, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your footstool. Habakkuk 1.5, he says, look at the nations, watch and be utterly amazed for I'm gonna do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told so. Even if you were told, look at the nations, watch, ask me. I'm preparing the party of all parties. I've got the banquet. The table is set. It's our job as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our responsibility. We got our, our orders. Luke, when you go this fall to play football at Tulsa, you got to be a light. You got to shine there. It's not about touchdowns and winning games. It's about being a witness right where he's placed you. And that's just one young man. That's for everybody in this room, everybody watching online. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He created you for a relationship with him right here on this plane vertically. And then his desire is that you would horizontally leave and go and follow and hear the gospel like these young men sitting right in front of me that, that responded and were baptized a moment ago to tell them that there is a banquet that is waiting. And it is the greatest fair. It is the best of the best. We have to go and tell others. It's the greatest joy of my life. And it's the example, it's what was modeled by these servants here in verses 21 through 23. I think about a cab driver, just one little story from our trip, cab driver named Mike. Uh, he's 46 years old, lives in the UK. I'm sitting in the front seat, my other buddies are in the back just start engaging him a little bit. 46 years old, never been to a church service in his entire life. Not one service. He said he'd been to a church maybe for a, a funeral or a, or a wedding one time, but barely even had a vague recollection. Married to his wife, Donna, for just over 20 years. Very similar to me. We started talking about our kids. He had a kid, Mikey Jr. and Abby. And I had so much respect for Mike because he's driving a cab at night 
as a second job to provide and to take care of his family. He would worked on oil rigs out in the ocean. And he just started telling me about how I asked him, so never been to church, and I said, have you ever even heard of the, this guy, Jesus? Yeah, I've heard a little bit about him. And he said, I just started reading the Bible, and now I'm like, what? So you started reading the Bible, and he said, yeah, I, my company I work for is an American-owned company, and they put these Bibles in our dormitories, and we have a lot of time out on uh, the rig in the ocean where we're just alone and by ourselves. And so I just took that Bible out, just recently had started reading the Bible. And he didn't even know where or what he was reading but I told him about John 3.16, never even heard John 3.16. This is the invitation right here at this banquet table. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved you, Mike, that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's a gift. It's an invitation. And in the 20 minutes from the time we got in that cab until we got to our hotel, um, at the very end, I just said, Mike, I believe God's ordained this conversation. God, God has given you a beautiful wife and children, and, and you work hard. I've got so much respect for you, but I want you to know that he died just for you, and this is a gift that all you have to do to take this gift, Sam, is just reach out. And, and Mike said, I think that's exactly what I need to do. It was just amazing, just right there on a cab ride. So Mike bows his head, gives his heart to Jesus, and I'm believing God by faith that he's going to lead uh, Donna and Mikey Jr. and Abby to faith. And just it changes the one little life at a time. It changes an entire family. This invitation changes an entire country. But we have to go and be obedient. And there's a third group here in this parable it's a third, third group. We've got excuse makers. We've got those that are making space for others. And then we've got a third group that's never even considered. Those that are easily forgotten, that they would never get an invitation like this. Look in verse 21. The master says, go to those that are blind and lame, crippled and poor. Those that are sick. Those that are overlooked and forgotten, marginalized. I talked to our North Campus pastor, uh, Connor Bales, just this week about this passage, and he said that this is one of his favorite passages in the whole New Testament in Luke 14 at this banquet table. Uh, if you know anything about Pastor Bales, you know that he has two special needs daughters. And he said that the heart of God, that these special needs children, Libby and Hannah, that God has entrusted to Connor and Mary, that this is where we see the heart of God so vividly, that God's heart is to include those who most often are not. God's heart, let me say it again, is to include those who most often are not. They don't have the right clothes on. They're not driving the right car. They don't look like all of us. They're not educated. They're from the other side of the tracks. And typically at this dinner, these Pharisees and religious leaders, they would have never even thought about, never even considered inviting someone like this. These people that Jesus mentions in this parable, they weren't even welcome to worship. They had to stand outside the places of worship. As the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders gathered, they weren't welcome. So much sadness, so much suffering. But the master wants no empty seats. And so this third group of down and outs, they come running 
with joy. They can hardly even believe it. The master has invited them to his table. And let me just say, parenthetically, we have an entire ministry here at Prestonwood, specifically uh, specifically for special needs. We have buildings that have been built. We have entire staff serving families uh, that are in this life situation. And we know that it's God's heart. It's God's heart that none would be overlooked, that none would be forgotten, and that none would be marginalized. Amen? Thankful. We're thankful for that heart. And so this third group, they're never even considered. They receive this invitation with joy, and they come running to the table. So one of three places this morning, church family, where are you? Where are you? Where am I? In my life today, am I making excuses? Am I giving Jesus everything that I have? Am I holding loosely to the stuff of this world? Am I clinging to Jesus with everything that he's entrusted to me? Am I making uh, excuses or am I making space as God is given and as he opens doors and as he connects you with different people at different stages of life, in your family, in your business, in your neighborhood, in the recreational activities that God has put on your heart? Are you taking those opportunities and inviting them to the table? Are you making excuses? Are you making space? Or are you responding to the call? Just a few thoughts in conclusion. This parable it reveals the heart of man and it reveals the heart of God. It's easy for religious people to make excuses. Just like it's easy for church people to make excuses. We want some of Jesus, but we also want control. We want some of Jesus. We definitely don't want to go to hell, but we also want to control things. We're not willing to surrender totally. Again, it's not just enough to raise your hand or walk an aisle when you're 10 or 12 years old at a, at a church camp or at a service. It's not enough. It's a lifelong pursuit. It's a lifelong pursuit. If you're in that excuse group, you come to church and you act like you're serious, but you may not have even ever come to the table yourself. You may be sitting here today in this room and thinking, I've never tasted what he's talking about today. David, I don't know exactly what this banquet is even all about. You're sitting in a pew faithfully week after week after week, but you've never come to his table. He set a place for you. You mean to, you want to, you've got a thousand excuses, distractions, the busyness of life. Don't let a busy life keep you from Jesus, please. Don't let a busy life keep you from Jesus this morning. He's got eternal life forever in heaven, but he will give you the abundance of life today at his table. Come and feast on him. Stop running after all the stuff of this world that you think is gonna fill your heart. You weren't made for this world. The reason your heart is still empty is because you were made by God for God. You weren't made for this world. Stop running after it. Come and sit. He's got a table. He's got a seat at his table for you today. God's heart is big. Our hearts should be big also. He invited and he welcomed us 
Can we not do the same? Can we not do the same? Jesus made room for you. Jesus made room for me. So here's my question. Who are you inviting? Who's here at church today because you invited them? Who have you brought to your Bible fellowship class lately and said, come be a part of this community. Come be a part of this special fellowship. God's heart is big for the world. Our hearts should be big also, church. Who's here? Who are you impacting? Who are you investing in? Pray. Ask God for a burden and a brokenness for the lost. He'll do it. It's his heart for the nations, and he wants us to have that same heart. Luke 19.10, Jesus came with a singular purpose. I'll say it again. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And finally, some of us today, we may feel unworthy. The blind, the lame, the broken. I got some good news for you. You are unworthy. And that's okay. We all are. That's what makes grace so amazing. Is that we're all unworthy. It's a gift. It's a simple gift that you and I must receive. Not one time but a course, a direction, a lifelong pursuit. This gift changes our life daily. So don't let guilt or shame or pain hold you back. Wait no longer. The door is open. The master is calling. It's time to come to the table. He's got a seat with your name on it. Stand with me, church family. Stand with me and I'm going to pray and extend an invitation to you. As we read a parable like this and you think about it, is it good news or is it bad news? Again, it depends on where you are in this story. Are you fully surrendered? Are you giving your life wholly and completely to the Lord? Or are you making excuses? Are you being obedient like that servant? Are you going any and everywhere the Lord takes you? in your neighborhood, in your job, in your vocation? Are you making excuses or are you making space? Are you inviting others to come and see, to come and taste of this banquet table? And then lastly, there's some of you here this morning that just feel unworthy. You're broken. You are in a valley, a pit. You feel like you're forgotten and overlooked and that nobody even knows your name. Is there anybody in the world that cares? I want you to know that there is a God in heaven who cares and he knows your name and he loves you fully and completely and he demonstrated his love for you by sending his one and only son, Jesus, to the cross to shed his perfect blood, to cover every one of your sins yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that forgiveness, that shed blood of Jesus is a gift. And all we have to do is receive it. John 1, 12 says, to those who believed and received, he gave them the right to become children of God. And so our invitation this morning is to come to him, come to the table, come to Jesus. Some of you, for the very first time, this altar will be open. Some of you need to come to these steps and pray and just recommit and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Confess your excuses. 
I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm going to start leading my family. I'm going to start loving my wife. I'm going to start being a light in my, uh, in my sphere of influence, in my office, in my business. I'm going to lift high the name of Jesus. You need to recommit it today. Get down here to this altar. Stop making excuses. And then some of you need to just join this church body. You've been here. You've been coming and visiting Prestonwood for a number of weeks, months maybe even. And it's time for you to come place your membership, be a part of this church family. There's no perfect church family, but we're a bunch of forgiven brothers and sisters in Christ and want to love you and serve you and lock arms with you and keep going and keep going to the highways and the hedges and telling them that we have found a source, that we found what brings joy and contentment and peace to our souls, and it's Jesus. And then others, somebody here today may need to get baptized, just like those six that we saw, just like these two young men in the front row that got baptized. Some of you here today need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Whatever the Spirit of God is leading on your heart, respond and follow Him by faith this morning. Bow your heads as I pray. Lord, we love you. We give you this time of invitation. This is your invitation. God, do what only you can do by your spirit, in the hearts of your people. We love you. We thank you, God, for this banquet table. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior, for the sacrifice that he made so that we could all have a seat at the table. This invitation is yours. We pray that you would move in and through it and that you would bring conviction, brokenness, that you would bring about life change by your amazing grace. We love you, Jesus. We give it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for worship at Prestonwood. As you heard earlier, if you made a decision for Christ, please text Jesus to 74788. We would love to connect with you and give you these great resources to help you grow in your faith. One is a New Believer's Bible with helpful notes to help you study God's Word. The other is a book by Pastor Jack Graham on the next steps to take as you pursue this new life in Christ. As we close, I'd like to thank you for your faithful giving to support Prestonwood and the work God is doing through our ministries. If you would like to give, text the word GIVE to 74788 or visit prestonwood.org give. It's been a joy worshiping with you and we look forward to seeing you again soon.